You are a nuclear scientist, one of the best and most respected in your field, let alone probably in the country, let alone the whole goddamn world. You've been a nuclear scientist for about 30 to 35 years at this point. You work for the Department of Energy at the Los Alamos Labs. You are brought in to the Los Alamos Labs with some of the most top secret compartmentalized security clearances there is. You think that you know the general idea of the secret space program of, you know, the different extraterrestrial beings, the different, you know, propulsion systems. So this is nothing new to you, right? You are told that you are going to be uh, briefed on an operation pertaining to Project Looking Glass, in addition to machine elves and ghost elves. And you say, okay, you know, you know the usual uh, procedure. You get up in the morning, you head on over to uh, Janet, just another non-existent terminal, and then you fly over to Los Alamos, uh, National Labs, right? You head into one of the deep underground military bases, the dumb bases, and you're brought into a room with a handful of military soldiers and personnel and some intelligence personnel and some other, uh, you know, fellow scientists that you've worked with and you get along quite well with and they respect you as well. You respect them. The soldiers start playing a slideshow presentation of a handful of videos demonstrating what seems to be occurring relative to the project you're about to work on. And then all of a sudden, Right before the most significant part of the presentation is going to be played, all right, you realize, you think for a second, hold on, is one of the videos these, these guys using an example from YouTube? Literally. And then all of a sudden, an advertisement on YouTube, like a YouTube ad, starts to play just as they're about to present the most significant part. And you could see the soldiers themselves, too, are caught off guard. They're like, oh, crap, we didn't mean for this to happen. The reason I bring this up, folks, that exact example right there, is because... If that particular example, which is not true, by the way, as most of you know, it's just to give you guys context into, you know, the perspective of thinking for this episode. But if that's not reminiscent of what's going on in the world right now, I don't know what is. And you might be saying, Dave, what do you mean? Well, think about it like this. A highly respected, very, very serious nuclear scientist, okay, is about to be shown a presentation on a top secret extraterrestrial machine elf, paranormal ghost elf, you know, apparatus, if you will. And all of a sudden, the most important part of the briefing was cut off because of an advertisement. If that's not reminiscent of the way in which the elites are trying to suppress us via the interdimensional and esoteric influence to the vast majority of society within Europe, within Australia, within North America, I would even say Africa too, but more so that in which has more strong NATO influences relative to the overarching geopolitics of the world. I don't know what else does tell us this, folks. Now, with that being said, I just want to say we do have a Patreon. It does help support the show. I will be getting to more shoutouts this coming weekend, I promise you folks. However, let's jump right into it. Crimson Mist, exploiting the atomic clock to redirect Skinwalker verca uh, verticality excuse me, via orbital mechanics. Now, let's jump into this very... Uh, uh, principalistically, if you will. Let's break this down. Let's break down what an atomic clock is, an orbital mechanic, uh, what that is, and at the same time, what Operation, Operation Crimson Mist allegedly was. So, according to Wikipedia, an atomic clock is a clock whose timekeeping mechanism is based on the interaction of electromagnetic radiation with the excited states of certain atoms, specifically either a hyperfine transition in the microwave region or an electron transition in the optical or ultraviolet region of the emission spectrum of an atom is used as a frequency standard for the timekeeping element, atomic clocks are the most accurate time and frequency standards known and, the, and are used 
as primary standards for international time distribution services to control the wave frequency of television broadcasts and in global navigation satellite systems such as GPS. The principle of operation of an atomic clock is based on atomic physics. It measures the electromagnetic signal that electrons in atoms emit when they change energy levels. Okay, Early atomic clocks were based on masers at room temperatures. Since 2004, more accurate atomic clocks first cooled the atoms to near absolute zero temperature by slowing them with lasers and probing them in atomic fountains in a microwave-filled cavity, end quote. Now, you might be saying, okay, Dave, why do you bring this up? Why is this so significant? Well, again, we have to understand that atomic clocks are used in GPS satellites. We have to understand that, again, there is a hyperfine transition in the microwave region relative to the electromagnetic stasis in which we're about to uh, observe. Now, let's take a look at what orbital mechanics are. Orbital mechanics, or astrodynamics, again, according to Wikipedia, is the application of ballistics and celestial mechanics to the practical problems concerning the motion of rockets and other spacecraft. The motion of these objects is usually calculated from new Newton's laws of motion and law of universal gravitation. Orbital mechanics is a core discipline within space mission design and control. All right. End quote. Now, interestingly enough, this focuses on, you know, the traje trajectories and the propulsion systems of that of certain spacecraft, if you will. But interestingly enough, it generally is a cover for operations such as this operation crimson mist and according to educate-yourself.org again not exactly a mainstream media website written back on may 29th 2003 original title american mind control in baghdad all right now let's take a look at this right over here and i quote when news of the presidential plane uh, pres presidential crash came in over the vhf radio one of the hercules planes was swift was swiftly prepared for takeoff the flight engineer checked the attachment of the radio the rocket assisted takeoff packs while the scientists made final adjustments to a large microwave dish mounted on the rear loading ramp of the aircraft it was this strange and esoteric piece of equipment alone that would directly contribute to the deaths of more than 1 million african civilians during the 100 days that followed though completely silent in operation, the single microwave dish had more killing potential than a whole squadron of AC-130 Spectre gunships armed with 50 Gatling cannons, willing to commit mass murder. Though officially tagged as an experiment, none of those present had any doubt that this was merely a cosmetic cover for the gruesome operational work ahead. Each member had been carefully vetted and then vetted again by U.S. intelligence to ensure they had the, quote, right stuff, end quote, and were philosophically committed to two objectives. Now take a look at this creating electronic range. It is important to note here that the lethal trick repeated hundreds of times by the C-130 Hercules in Rwanda during April and July of 1994 was not classic mind control in the ultimate conspiratorial meaning of the term, example where people claim to hear complicated messages inside their heads or where it is feared that the NSA or similar intend to turn everything into helpless zombies by implanting electronic chips in their necks. What the C-130 crew were actually engaged in was electromagnetically augmenting a pre-existing state. Remember that the agents and security personnel first had to point the Hutu tribesmen in the direction of the Tutsi, induce reasonable anger, and make sure they were appropriately armed. Only then could the C-130 go to work with the pr precise control brainwave of rage, augmenting and thus upgrading crowd behavior from that of angry demonstrators to uncontrollable genocidal maniacs. Although not classic, this was and is unquestionably mind control for the simple reason that external means were, uh, external means were being used to force an irresistible change in behavior, end quote. Now, there will be an upcoming members episode on the patreon i just want to bring up very quickly that we have for example our friend bottled water who said in, in a 
the public interview from one to two weeks ago, the long form conversation. Again, brother, thank you so much, and thank you for all those that supported the uh, that supported the interview, and thank you for the constructive criticism. He had said he goes, we had worked on devices that could literally make you part of my English here, but you know, shit your pants, literally, you know, uh, yeah, es essentially have to you know use the restroom immediately without controlling it. And again, and I bring this up because on the upcoming members only episode, we're going to be looking at an article where a woman from the, um, the NIH, if I'm not mistaken, in the UK, based out in the UK, is suing the UK government because she claimed that she was having microwave weapons being projected onto her that messed with her mind, her genitals, in addition to that, also made her fart. I know that sounds funny, but that's exactly how it would be ridiculed in the media so no one takes the lawsuit seriously, or at least no one gives it any attention. But if they could do that, and we have a gentleman like Bottled Water openly admitting that, that he worked on uh, apparatuses and equipment that could make people, you know, have to use the restroom using frequencies. Why can't we do that? Why wouldn't that be possible using anger, right, to trigger that type of emotional response? Now, take a look at this. Extra low frequencies, again, on the same page. Delivery of control brainwaves by modulating microwave beams. Now, take a look at this. The main problem lies in the delivery of these brainwaves to the target because they all lie in the extremely low spectrum between 0.1 and 25 hertz. With all control brainwaves in an even narrower central band between 0.6 and 10.2 hertz, these are effectively the same as earth frequencies, meaning that they are very hard to direct via conventional radio transmission. Remember that in order to be effective in selective crowd behavior augmentation, you must be able to restrict delivery to clearly defined crowds in clearly defined areas. This is achieved by using an extremely high frequency microwave beam, which is then amplitude modulated at exactly the same rate as the desired control brainwave. This is much easier to explain with pictures so take a good look at the diagram below and again we see here putting this diagram up we'll notice again the microwave carrier transmission the delivery of control brainwaves to selective targets and then the low frequency hertz of the required control brainwave or brainwave set now you might be saying okay dave why are you bringing all of this up why is this so significant well first off when we take a look for example at skinwalkers if you will right ultimately what we see there and i, I would imagine that most of you at this point if you're watching the show or listening you know what skinwalkers are they have been known to have frequencies adjust in terms of the frequencies that they emit relative to the organs inside of their body, depending on the way that they walk. Whether they're walking upright, it, they emit certain frequencies of one kind, and whether they're walking, I guess you could say on all fours, they emit a different type of frequency. So, if we take a look at integrityresearchinstitute.org, again, this was uh, written by, in the year 2000 by Thomas Vallone, Integrity Research Institute. Let's take a look at T. Townsend Brown. A curious fact revealed in T, and by the way, you'll know members, the upcoming members episode will show this. A curious fact revealed in T. Townsend Brown's first article, How I Control Gravity in 1929, is the alignment of the molecular gravitors. These massive dielectrics provided the most propulsive force when the differently charged elements were aligned with the voltage source. This sounds like crystal plane alignment and perhaps explains the article, Gravity Nullified, Quartz Crystals Charged by High Frequency Currents Lose Their Weight, which appeared two years earlier in the same magazine in September of 1927. The editors had a change of heart, however, these are the editors of the magazine Science and Invention in the following issue, and rescinded the article. Interestingly enough, Okay, take a look at this. In 1985, Dr. Paul LaViolet was in the Library of Congress in Washington, D.C. and looked up the word gravity in the card catalog. Surprisingly, he found the listing for electrogravitic systems. Interestingly enough, those of you that have followed the show for a while will know that it just so ironically enough happens that around this time in the 20s, 30s, and 40s, anti-gravity tachyons, free energy tachyons, and again, electrogravitics. 
and propulsion apparatuses were completely barred from being allowed and used in the United States. Okay, it validates and the report has historic value because we see here, this pertains to the Wright-Patterson Air Force Base Technical Library, which is also, again, where a lot of the recovered crash materials from Roswell went, and we'll check that out in a second. It validates Brown's experiments. It lists the major corporations that were collaborating on electrogravitics, again, Raytheon, Lockheed Martin, EG&G, you name it. It includes the requirements for supersonic speed. It shows the continue, uh, con continuity from Project Winterhaven in 1952. Uh, the report includes a list of electrostatic patents. It had been classified by the Air Force for an undetermined amount of time, which underscores its, impor um, its importance. All right. Again, if we scroll down, we have the B-2 stealth bomber connection, the Hutchison effect, you name it. Now, this is where it's going to get really interesting, folks. We're going to see the convergence of little time dilations via that of skinwalker verticality relative to the way in which the atomic clock is used. So there are different atomic clocks that are positioned at different seismic levels relative to, again, the GPS satellites that are used for things like Google Earth, you name it. However, interestingly enough, what we find is that whenever skinwalkers stand up vertically, they're usually doing so in a particular geographical location that is oriented with a far more lower emitting frequency from a particular GPS satellite up in space, not necessarily a classified one. It could even be a regular GPS satellite that like people that you and myself use for, you know, Google Maps. Uh, Apple Maps or, or Waze, whatever whatever apps you use for GPS coordination and things like this. Now, mysteriousuniverse.org. Please bear with me, folks. I've covered this before, but there's certain elements of this that are very important to understanding. Project Pegasus was the classified DARPA um, project in which the U.S. defense technical community achieved time travel on behalf of the U.S. government, the real Philadelphia experiment. Now, the members episode will substantiate this more, but let's take a look. According to Basiaggio, or Basaggio, much of the mysterious project revolved around particularly time travel, especially its potential applications and studying the effects it had on the human body. To this effect, he claims that children were often recruited into the program. Okay, recruited with air quotes. I got to be careful because of YouTube, but again, those that are members especially will know what I'm getting at because it was believed that they were more resilient to any negative effects of those temporal shifts okay indeed Basiaggio himself claims that he was one of these children and that he was involved with these experiments from the age of seven after which he stayed there from the years 1968 to 1972 okay <clears throat> take a look at this right here it was claimed that the government had several different versions of a time machine with varying degrees of effectiveness. The most promising was apparently a machine based on alleged plans designed by the famed inventor Nikola Tesla himself, retrieved from his New York apartment after his death in 1943. This fantastic machine supposedly featured two eight-foot-tall elliptical booms, all right, between which was funneled what Basiaggio called radiant energy, which could supposedly bend the fabric of space and time. The machine would conjure up a shimmering wall of light, which a user could enter to pass into a vortal tunnel and be whisked off to different areas, end quote. Interesting, right? Because if we take a look at, again, educateyourself.org, a different article, granted, we take a look here. At certain stages of evolution, cosmic humanities discover new forms of science beyond the apparent control of matter. Structured dematerialization and materialization are part of them. Again, structured dematerialization uh, this would also substantiate the potential uh, the possibility that we'll be looking at in the upcoming members episode about CERN having very very strange experiments merging the reality of it in the year 2012 with that of a different reality in order to corroborate and continue things like again the residual effects of this linear timeline but here the, here's the problem you have leakages if you will relative to i guess the mandela effect if you want to call it but here's the thing the mandela effect is not your brain remembering something differently it is remembering something from the timeline in which you were initially from 
Not to say you or I are a time traveler, but there was emergence between dematerialized and materialized realities that intersected using that same type of esoteric energy that is in, in uh, that is relative to the insinuation of removing the God gene relative to, again, the biology and uh, the neurobiology of the brain and the neurons. That connection, pretend this pen, for those that are watching visually, is that esoteric ba uh, balance and transition right in between. Now, interestingly enough, take a look at this right over here. A great roller wave is on the verge of emerging. It mixes very positive but also very negative aspects. Okay, And the reason I bring this up so significantly is because we have to understand here that if we take a look, and I quote, Hatred grows bigger, but so does love. That is what keeps you confident in your ability to find solutions. But the critical mass is insufficient and the sabotage work is cleverly being carried out. Okay, Now again, we're going to find here that we see, and I quote, Except for rare occasions, our interventions always had very little in, uh, in incidence on your capacity to make collective and individual decisions about your own future. This is motivated by our knowledge of your deep psychological mechanisms. End quote. These are reportedly telepathic messages being sent to an individual by extraterrestrials that claim to have been involved in the past before with the human affairs. I would dare to say when they say rare occasions, one of them, for example, would be the Cuban Missile Crisis. For those that know what I'm talking about, that allegedly extraterrestrials actually suppressed that whole uh, that whole situation there. The call to Russia was never made by Kennedy. It was all done using the minds of these these extraterrestrials, literally, because they were able to tap into the zero-point field, replicate that of a phone call, which uses frequencies via cell towers, again, to communicate so it would make sense. Now, take a look at this. Customers.hbci.com. Actually, sorry, one more thing I wanted to mention very quickly on the, in this article from Educate Yourself. It says here that uh, within this particular uh, th this particular article, these beings say that it takes a lot of humans to come together to fight this depravity, but not as many as you might think. Again, that number, 2-3% roughly of the overall population with any, w within any geographical uh, relative vicinity would be able to change this, which is what the number I believe to be is about like 30 million. All we, we would need is 30 million, say, Americans hypothetically, or of any country really. To, to sort of change the global consciousness shift. Now, take a look at this. Customers.hbci.com. The increasing financial pressures of America's Great Dep Depression forced Dr. Townsend Brown to leave the NRL, sign with the Naval Reserve, and join the Civilian Conservation Corps in Ohio. In 1939, Brown became a lieutenant in the Reserve and brief employment with the Glen Martin Company was directed toward the Bureau of Ships. There, he worked on the magnetic and acoustic aspects of warships. Okay, interestingly enough, what sequence of events triggered the Naval Research Laboratories to investigate the possibility of optically cloaking vessels of war? This is interesting because take a look at this right here. Careful examination of the effect before the NRL, uh, NRL now proved perplexing. First, the blackout effect could be photographed as well as experienced. Therefore, it was not a mere neurological response to some mysterious radiance. The blinding discharge was doing something to space itself. Researchers were now drawn into this project with a deep fascination. The blackout effect drew equally intense interest by naval officials for obvious military reasons. Interestingly enough, take a look at this. The blackout effect is with... The electrical blast came an equally intense optical blackout. The sudden shock of the intense electric weld impulse was indeed producing a mysterious optical blackening of perceptual space, an effect that was thought to be ocular in nature. This peculiar blackout effect was believed to be a result of intense and complete retinal bleaching, a chemical response of the eye to intense, instantaneous light impulse, but it wasn't. Okay. The more outrageous fact was that the effect permeated the control room, causing retinal blackout, even when personnel were shielded by several protective walls. All right. 
end quote. They found out, by the way, this could be used and formed into a what they refer to as a quote-unquote formidable weapon. Now, the reason I bring that up is because what that apparatus essentially harnessed and used was some of which pertain to that of memory metal, but also distorted that of the, the brain biologically and dematerialized it into a point in which space nor time was void. It's hard to say what gap was in there, but the only other creatures that allegedly the, at least the U.S. Uh, military knows about that can do such apparatuses without external uh, nano chips or any type of, you know, programming that, you know, external programming via AI are skinwalkers, interestingly enough, which is why they may in fact be quite significant for many other reasons. Members have already seen that episode, but Again, let's take a look at this. The Pulse.1. USDIA reveals UFO program extensively studied memory, uh, memory metal. Roswell link undeniable. Okay. Dailymail.co.uk. White dwarf star is spotted switching on and off in 30 minutes, a process previously only seen over a period of days to months. Interestingly enough, look at this right here, bibliotechaplates.net. Let's play this, only nine second clip. Massive UFO mothership, okay, extracting energy from the sun. You might be saying, Dave, why are you jumping through all these different, you know, articles to take a look? Well, this concept of the white dwarf that keeps flip, flickering on and off over and over again, you name it, as we see here, spotting switch, sw spotted switching on and off, is actually reminiscent of that, of what we are currently seeing with certain anomalies in the sky. In, within that of Earth. And the reason for that is because the orbital mechanics of the overall d white dwarf, all right, is actually utilizing the skinwalker's energetic verticality via that of the blackout um the blackout uh, apparatus or the sorry what they would f refer to as the blackout here in this case to create a time distortion so that things like the Mandela effect are much more difficult to prove, okay? And the reason I show this clip of this mothership extracting energy from the sun is because if we as the everyday individual were to get close to the sun in some of these craft and extract energy for the craft, what we're going to find is that when getting back to Earth, if we were to be in these craft, what would happen is once we got closer to water, we would actually have intuitive memories of different realities, Okay, of different time periods prior to the year 2000, 2012 with the alleged emergence of a different reality relative to the world ending allegedly from our initial timeline. How do we know this? Look at this, bluefields.eu. The Enigmalith, a 100,000-year-old electrical component found embedded in stone. According to researchers who have analyzed the artifact, it is a 100,000-year-old electrical component embedded in stone. Now, interestingly enough, how is that even possible? Technically speaking, how is that possible? Why? Because again, there were certain ancient human civilizations that knew this. Now, let's take a look at this right here. Weeklyworldnews.com. Alien chip in Napoleon's skull. Scientists examining the remains of Napoleon Bonaparte are deeply puzzled, and I quote, by the discovery of a half-inch long microchip embedded in his skull. The possible ramifications of, the dis of this discovery are almost too enormous to comprehend, declared Dr. André Dubois, who made the astonishing revelation in a French medical journal. Until now, every indication has been that victims of alien abduction are ordinary people who play no role in world events. Now we have compelling evidence that ETs acted in the past to influence human history and may continue to do so. End quote. Again, if we see here, and I quote, I then looked at the area under a magnifying glass and was stunned to find that the object was some kind of super advanced microchip. All right. Napoleon vanished from sight for a period of several days in July 1794 when he was 25 years old. 
he later claimed he'd been held prisoner during the uh, during the Themidorian coup, but no record of that arrest exists. I believe that is when the abduction took place, interestingly enough, end quote. Now, take a look at this right over here, abovetopsecret.com. Proof that China is spearheading global UFO disclosure. Interestingly enough, what we'll see here is the five continents, I guess you could say, uh, con uh, Five Continents Initiative, if you want to call it, is China at the UN pushing for UFO disclosure. But ultimately, there's a much more deeper agenda at play here because when we take a look at some of these alleged machine ghosts and machine elves, which we'll be covering in the next uh, not only um, members episode, but public episode coming up, is that the orbital mechanics relative to the, to the anti-ballistic missiles placed around Russia okay, around Syria and a handful of other nations, irrespective to that of the United States, harnesses the electromagnetic gravity that uses that blackout apparatus. And how do we know this? Well, let's take a look at a book that recently came out, Skinwalkers at the Pentagon. Make of this as you will, of uh, what you will, if you want to believe this or not. But an insider's account of the secret government UFO program. Readers will be amazed, enthralled, Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid says. Anyways, the point of that is this. Take a look at this right here. The physical layer, those physical char characteristics associated with the UAP event of the database format was based upon the six-layer model for anomalous phenomenon developed by Jacques Vallée and Eric Davis. Again, the, Dave, uh, the Davis-Wilson documents, and of course, Jacques Vallée on Joe Rogan, James Fox, and all that. This six-layer model encapsulated all of the potential characteristics of UAP events that can be studied. It includes, again, physical layer, the anti-physical layer, the patterns that conflict with those predicted in modern physics. Again, the dematerialization that I just mentioned in the earlier article. Now, take a look at this another page project Colaris database Canadian government UK OSAP BAAS database again Bigelow Skinwalker Ranch database uh, Lou Elizondo ATIP OSAP that whole idea there but the most important thing is this the primary consultant behind the OSAP BAAS data warehouse was Jacques Vallée the database was also populated with scrubbed cases from Danish and Brazilian instances. Now, look at this right here, folks. The great, This is going to come full circle. I don't mean to confuse you. And this is a post from Reddit from a username u slash altruism7 on r slash high strangeness. Thank you for this post, my friend. The Great Sphinx is nearly aligned with the constellation of Leo around 10,500 BC, making it possibly 8,000 years older than previously thought. Interestingly enough, that lines up directly with what we're going to see here. And I'll connect this back in a second. Critical info missing from UFO Twitter, UFO and nukes discussion. This was from a civilian hearing based on ex-army personnel that were entrusted with guarding nuclear missiles, folks. I don't know how much more serious you can get than that. They, UAPs, could shut our missiles down until we put EMF filters on our missiles in the early 70s. Captain uh, Fenstermacher from the U uh, United States Air Force citizen hearing. All right. They couldn't shut the nukes down. In 68, after studying Salas' shutdowns, they were looking at EMF as a problem. Extre this is also extremely uh, significant and consistent with the Condon report. Now, you might be saying, okay, Dave, what the heck does this have to do with the Great Sphinx and all that? Well, here's what's interesting. The Great Sphinx had electromagnetic filters around it based, based using stone and piezoelectricity because when you take a look at the, the bases of the pyramids and also of the Sphinx, it's much heavier near the base, not because of the weight. Again, granted, of course, because of the weight principalistically and fundamentally, but also because of the alleged piezoelectricity apparatuses that were placed around it relative, again, to what Dr. Townsend was working on at making optical disappearances and blackout apparatuses appear and then reappear, right? which is how skinwalkers repeatedly over and over again are able to appear within only certain vicinities of our optical uh, viewpoints relative to our eyes. Even if we're wearing glasses or sunglasses, that doesn't change because they understand 
all right, the verticality of orbital mechanics to dematerialize and then materialize. And some praying mantis be uh, type beings can do this as well, too. And so when we take a look at how the former United States Air Force soldiers realized or maybe the you know, their superiors realized, holy crap, we got to put EMF filters on these uh, on on these on these missiles. And this stops the, the UAPs or the UFOs from uh, from shutting us down. I mean, at that point, folks. It doesn't. It, it's pretty self-explanatory relative to previous ancient human civilizations doing this over and over and over again. With that being said, thank you so much for watching. Let me know what you think, folks. I know this one was a little bit of a um, a bit of a sort of long one, if you will, and it seemed a little bit distorted. But I hope you grasp what's being said here relative to again the atomic clock using electromagnetism, the suppression of different forms of gang stalking, mind control, you name it, and skinwalker verticality based on their alignment and their posture. Anyways, we'll catch all of you very soon. Cheers.